There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that would help to protect the children for a The same speed we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P. PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Guaranteed another opportunity to qualify for our Ed Sheeran draw. This morning there will be an Ed Sheeran song. I'll tell you what it is a little bit later. I won't tell you what time I'm going to play it though. Coming up between now and 12, another opportunity for you to enter that draw. Also, we've been doing this all week in association with our friends at Cork City Marathon giving away at the end of today's program an overnight stay for two people with dinner at the Riverlea Hotel. It's in conjunction with the uh, Cork City Marathon because you can register there at corkcitymarathon.ie before Sunday, June 5th, of course, when the event is on. And we've been doing this all week to encourage you to register. So your last opportunity to qualify, we have three already. Your opportunity to qualify for that prize with the Riverlea Hotel. You need to tell me. Remember the song, Happy? The happy song? And people were doing dances to it and doing their own versions of it. Remember? Yeah. How many weeks did that spend at number one in the UK? 2017 it was. 25 years ago. 2017 ago it was. Farrell Williams, Happy. How long was it in the charts? How many weeks was it in the charts? Was it 40 weeks or 92 weeks? In the charts. Now, 92 weeks is nearly two years. But how long was it in the charts? The happy song. A92. or Yeah, A92 or B40. Text the answer and your name to 083 396 96 96 and we'll put you in with the other three qualifiers for that prize in association with Cork City Marathon. Lots to do. Uh, we got a, an email. It's a few months back now. It would have been... Uh, last year sometime we got an email in September from Claire uh, who told us about being diagnosed with breast cancer she'd written a song she was getting all the proceeds together for Breast Cancer Ireland and she had a video out we were talking to her at the time and 
just saying, look, wish her the best of luck with, with everything. And she has been on Instagram in the last few days. And Claire, the journey, I think it's fair to say, is going in the right direction. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. The new, you look great. Thank you. I feel great. Um, you know, I suppose it has been, yeah, in ways a blur the last couple of years, but um, I've never felt um, stronger. And I think that was kind of the purpose to the post on Instagram um, was just that, you know, at the time you don't think you're going to get strong again. Um, and for me, like, thank God, everything everything's going in the, in the right direction and I'm feeling great. Yeah, it's two pictures in one yeah. post. One was when you were in treatment. Yeah. And the next one is, is now. Yeah, and I think... So I, two like, different people, Claire. Yeah, I just felt like, I suppose when I, I'm really conscious as well, like say anyone listening this morning that's going to be starting out on their treatment. When I, I was debating whether or not to put up like that first uh, first picture when I was in treatment because I know how sick I look in it but I also was just I suppose the purpose to it was that it is really tough like there's no denying it um, and it's hard to think like I said at the time when you when you feel like the life has been sucked out of you you don't really see um, the climb out after and for me I, I the, the view from the top I suppose without being too uh, cheesy about it is has just been wonderful I, I um, and that's why I, I suppose I'm hope, hoping that it will give somebody hope that might be sitting there um, or listening this morning looking at letters coming in for appointments that they just don't know how they're going to face into um, there is always hope and you just you just bite it off one appointment at a time um, and there's no way through it only through it until you're out the other side That's a very wise thing to say there's no way through it only through it but I guess someone who is and you you can say it from the other side now knowing that there is another side but for someone who's like you say got an appointment in one hand for this an appointment in the other hand for that yeah. they're waiting on the results of a test Yeah, have your words of reassurance for that person who's probably listening to us right now yeah um, I suppose it it's one of hope you know and even outside of the so many people that are facing in hospital doors this morning, and like you said, they're waiting on results. Um, it, it for me, I had to believe that everything was going to be okay. Yeah, and I'm really mindful that that isn't always the case for every family. But for me, I really did. Um, I remember I used to kind of silently chant to myself, and this is honestly now inside in the chemo ward when I didn't think I had enough strength to face into another round of it. I kept on saying, this is temporary. You will get through it. This is everything that came with it. The surgery, losing my hair. Um, you know, as I said, for some people, chemo, um, there's so many amazing anti-sickness drugs out there now. Mm. And for some people, they really do tolerate it well. Unfortunately, I was not one of those people. Um, and... I suppose it's just one of hope. So I can't, I, I, being real about it is that, I'd love to be saying, you know, every day you know, I woke up positive, I didn't. Mm. That'd be a lie, you see. It would be, yeah. Be and it, yeah. Apart from, so while it's lovely to feel great now and feel the, in ways, um, you know, the best I've ever felt, 
it, it wasn't, it was the actual opposite of that while I was going through it. Like I felt like I had been spun around somewhere a hundred times with a blindfold on and then sent back into my regular life again. Um, and I didn't quite know where I was at with it, you know, whether, you know, like what we, when you get back into work, which for me was a primary school, um, your finished treatment, but you're kind of looking at somebody and you just don't know who it is. It's just, you just, you're just not quite sure of the person yeah. that's been handed back to you yeah. after all the treatment. Yeah. When you look um, at that like picture I said, on the right yeah. and you think, hello, you. Yeah. <laughs> where and where it, are you? <laughs> yeah. And, it was, and it's just, I suppose, the sparkle. And I, um, that would be, I suppose, one of the things was you, you kind of feel like you've just been, um, you're just a bit numb to everything. So I, when that fog lifts, um, it's just the most wonderful feeling. And I think that regardless of whether it's cancer or struggles for so many people that might be listening this morning, one minute you're sailing along and the next minute life can knock you to your knees without us giving it a second thought. But there are so many hands reaching out to you that'll bring you back up to your feet. And that's what I felt all around me throughout this was um, no matter how hard the struggle, there's always hope. You, um, you're in Bantry, from Bantry. Where, where were you? Where did you get your treatment, Claire? Um, in the CUH under Professor Seamus O'Reilly, who, by the way, is the most amazing man. I mean, I myself, I'd be joking with my husband because um, I would. He was. I just had him like right up there in a pedestal because anything, <laughs> any time, I was like, I don't think there's another round of chemo in me. Um, he was. He's. He makes you feel like you're the only patient he's treating. You know, That's you're not the, the first way. person to say that to me. You're he's not just the first a wonderful man. Yeah, Claire, will you do me a little favour? It's great that you're doing so well. I'm thrilled. Yeah. In 33 days from now, uh, we'll be in the middle of our Cork 96 FM Giving for Living Radio Sun. Yep. Would you come on and have a chat with me? Of course. At that time, and maybe, do you know... Help help us to raise a few quid for CUH because they're one of our one of our I charities. Would, I would absolutely love to, and I, I can't say enough about all the staff in CUH. They're amazing angels, and they they looked after me so well. So that absolutely count me in. It's a date. We'll talk to you yeah. on, on, on <laughs> radio so and continue continue success with your recovery. That's Thank like, you so much. It's like two different people, Claire. It's great to see. Yeah, thank you, and Take have a care. wonderful put weekend. You, Bye put now. Put back out to that. You too. Bye. 0818-96-96-96. Yeah, 33 days. We'll be in the middle of Ray. Well, yeah, 33 days. So it's yesterday, a month. It's great. Stephen was on. He said a health worker says all the healthcare workers were expecting their bonus this week. Uh, the health minister had said it would be in their next payroll. But some at least didn't get it, and they're bitterly disappointed. Now, Fergal did a bit of digging into this, as only Fergal can, and found a phrase, subject to local processes. So that seems to be how it is, that you'll get them in the next payroll, subject to local processes. So with all the delays and confusion and prevarication, can you imagine what it'll be like, says Stephen, paying people to house refugees. I'll never again vote Fianna Fáil because of them making Stephen Donnelly 
Minister for Health. That's a whole other story. Read Richard Chambers' book about the pandemic. That whole story is covered. How a guy who was a wet week in Fianna Fáil ends up Minister for Health. Read that story. But yeah, they've in the next paycheck, according to local processes, you'll get it, Stephen, but not everyone's getting it on the same day. I think... 0818969696. Speaking of the Ukrainians and this idea of paying people to house them, and you may feel how you feel about that. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, tell me if you want. At 0818969696. They say up to 400 quid a month for someone who might take in a Ukrainian family. But did you notice anything strange about the news reports yesterday? Um from Mill Street um, Pascal was on the news from Mill Street yesterday Pascal Sheehy from the Mill Street Centre where they're now housing the refugees and they say it'll only be for a few weeks at a time until we get you planted somewhere more stable you noticed how the media weren't allowed in to see the accommodation it just struck me as a little bit strange they say they've got three two bedroom three bedroom units built in around the, the horse arena and, and that's as may be and I'm sure they've done a super job I'm, I'm imagining kind of a, a vaccination centre type thing where they've put these units together and they put beds in them and maybe a kitchenette I think I heard someone mentioning there's a kitchenette in each one so they're like loads of little units but, but why, why, why were we not allowed to see them? That's an interesting question isn't it? 0818 even an empty one not looking to identify anybody even an empty one to see what it's like. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just that thing, I just was surprised. I thought, watching that report on the news last evening, I said, at least surely they let a camera in to see and empty one of these little units. So we've some, you know, picture tells a thousand stories. We wanted to see what it was like, but we didn't get in to see. And we were specifically told on the news that we weren't allowed to see them. I just found that a little bit strange. 0818 I spoke before to Una Butler. Now, the name... May, may instantly ring a bell with you. It should, if you know your recent Cork history. Uh, back in 2010, November 2010, just over 11 years ago, Una's husband, John, killed their two daughters, Ella and Zoe. Ella was six and Zoe was two. And then he took his own life. And from that day to this, Una, who's from Ballycotton, has been saying... If only I was allowed to know what was going on with his mental health treatment. If only I'd been talked to by his doctors and the people helping him. And that is, that's your life, your life's work now, isn't it, Una? To get to the point where somebody like that, someone like um, you, is spoken yeah. to. Morning. Well, morning. Well, I suppose Zoe was six and Ella was two, but... Um, I was looking back in hindsight, PJ, and I was trying to find out um, how, how often something horrific, like a parent killing a child, 
happened in Ireland. Yeah. And um, I'm saying that um, John was suffering with his mental health at the time. And when I, what I found, because there wasn't any official statistics in Ireland at the time, I had to use Google search and rely on newspaper, you know, publishings at the time. And I found out that since 2053, children have been murdered by a parent. And 37 37 cases in total since 2000 in the Republic of Ireland. And over half of the people, the parents that killed a child, had suffered with their mental health or had prior contact with the psychiatric services. So when I look back on myself, I was saying, God, I should have been involved, you know. Um, I should have been more involved, especially for the welfare of my children. Now, I'm not saying that everyone suffers with their mental health, but there's a, there's a, a fear of, of children being hurt. But I'm just saying that it would have benefited both my husband and our family. And also the medical professionals would have a greater insight into the, my husband's behaviours or the person suffering um, and would treat the person accordingly. Mm. Whereas they were relying solely on what my husband at the time was telling them. So well for our children, I believe that my husband was treated in isolation, but he wasn't living in isolation. And they didn't have a full picture yeah. of what was happening. And it was, there are so many benefits to it that I can't see any disadvantage by including a family member. Patient confidentiality doesn't have to be broken. You feel, and you've said yeah. this to me before, you feel that had you known what was happening in John's treatment room or had someone who was involved in John's treatment reached out to you and said, Una, what is the story? Well, you, I suppose, you, we might not be in the position we're in. You believe that firmly, don't you? Oh, 100%. I feel that there was no consideration given to what I had to say or the welfare of my children while we're all living together. It was focused in on the patient that was suffering with their mental health and that was it. I don't believe that... Um, I do believe that the health professionals would have gained so much more information and behaviours, whereas I, whether John pulled the wool over their eyes is another thing, but if they had spoken with me or let me give my side of the story, they would have had a greater insight. Mm. And they wouldn't have to divulge information that, you know, John was, was telling them, for example. So by involving a parent or a spouse, whatever, if they're living under the same roof as children, it's paramount um, that the welfare of children is paramount when living with someone suffering with their mental health. And there's only benefits to it. You know, it's so much, and the person, I could have learned more uh, about his illness and how best to support him and be educated on his illness. But it was completely as if I was disregarded. The system falls back on the principle of client confidentiality. That's a core principle of theirs. Yes. But the funny thing is, all the policy, all the health, HSE policy documents are encouraging proactive family involvement. Yes. Like, but the difference is when somebody hits, when somebody suffers with a mental health, it's like there's, a, a, you know, a complete stop. Like my mother suffered with Alzheimer's and there was great family involvement. You know, but I think it's a known fact as well, PJ, that when somebody suffers with their mental health, that due to lack of resources, they're not even asked to involve a family member. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So down to lack of resources, but it's a common, it's a known fact that they're not, the patient isn't even asked by the health professionals to involve somebody. Yeah. But I think it should be made mandatory that uh, in the Mental Health Act that a parent or a spouse is to be involved 
um, in the treatment of the other partner or spouse or like our mm-hmm. nominated family and adult to be included okay. a nominated person. Something that has changed, um, well, I'm not too sure if it takes this into account now. You may know. Since your tragedy, um, there has been a change in mandatory reporting. And if the tables were turned and John was going to see people now, and Mm -hmm. he mentioned anything that should twig a danger to the children, they're mandatorily required now. But I think that that was always there. Yeah. That was always there. Health professionals, GPs, psychiatrists could break patient confidentiality. Mm. I think it's stricter. It's, it's stricter it. now. It's a matter of most now. I think. Well, the thing is, when do they come to that that yeah. decision of, oh, like when is a person going to admit it? You know, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is your campaign, well, like, and you, Andrew Andrew McGinley and yourself have been talking about this. He's he's looking for the same changes. So Andrew McGilley is the same. His, his, his wife um, killed their three children and he believes the exact same as I do. He should have been involved in the treatment mm-hmm. of his spouse uh, in order to learn and give his side of the story. Whereas, you know, he's exactly the same. He believes his children would be alive today. And yeah. Zoe and Ella would, I believe, 100%. It's just hindsight is a valuable, the most valuable tool. Mm-hmm. Must take an awful lot out of you to keep doing this sooner, to keep banging on. It does, because I'm so frustrated going up. um, Every time there's a change of minister for mental health, I write to them. I write to the minister for children, and then the minister for children would send the letter, oh, that's more for mental health. But it's the welfare of children is paramount. So it is is, is, um, very important for the minister for children, but it it, it passed back on to the minister for mental health. But like all the policy documents they're recommending that that that's recommendation. Hang on, hang on. You write as you would do, and because he's there in the job at the moment, you would write to Roderick O'Gorman. Roderick O'Gorman's gig is looking after our children, and Roderick O'Gorman would tell you no. You actually need to talk to Mary Butler because it's yes. Mary Butler on mental health. Yes. There's a bit of book passing going on there, Una. There you is. ask me. For example, I wrote to um, the first minister of Francis Fitzgerald for children, so she passed the book on to the minister for mental health. Then I wrote to Catherine Sapone, and then she passed it on to the minister for mental health at Derrigan. But um, to be honest, I've gone through Jim Daly, I've gone through Francis Fitzgerald, Helen McAtee. I didn't write to Mary Butler yet, minister for mental health at the moment, because I'm so frustrated. It feels as if, you know, uh, no one's listening. And like... 53 children have been murdered by a parent since 2000. And it's a common factor that mental health was a major factor in the perpetrator. And, like, why are they closing their eyes to this? Like, if it was made mandatory for a parent or a spouse to be involved in the treatment without breaking patient confidentiality, it's a legislative change. But if it was made mandatory, I think it would benefit all concerned. The patient, the family, especially children and the health professionals. Well, do you know, for, you, you probably get hugely frustrated with all of this. Maybe stay there, Una, because uh, I have another Una, actually. Una Ring. Uh, Una Butler, thank you. And Una Ring. Una, it's taken just over a year. February 2021, uh, James Steele was jailed. And now in April of 2022, stalking is to be made a standalone offence. 
That's some year's yeah. work. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, you're living proof of the fact that if you make an, make noise and you're not going to go yeah. away, they'll change. Now, how advantageous was it to have a woman in the Department of Justice when doing this? It was everything. It was, was everything, it? definitely. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Like, I don't think I'd have got to, we'd have got to where we were today um, without without Helen McEntee being the Minister for Justice at the particular time. Um, and as well as that, like Lisa Chambers was dogged in her determination to get this over the line as well, you know. Um, so, like, I suppose we started the ball rolling, but I, I think, like, was Lisa carried it down the pitch as such, do you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like, it, it, and it's just like, it, it's only been over a year since he was sentenced, but we actually didn't start our campaign until, I'd say, April or May of, of last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's less than a year, you know. Wow. So, like, it, it's it's phenomenal feat. It is. It is. And it's it's due to work by people. Yes, Helen McEntee, obviously, Lisa Chambers. Mm. But you and Eve, Eve McDowell, yeah. you've been two very loud, yeah. very strong voices on this since day one. I guess yeah. I'm, I'm so thrilled for you that it's happened. The other Una on the other line, she's yeah. very frustrated with, by her campaign. Would you advise her? And you're two mm. East Cork women as well. Would, would, would you, right, would you yeah. advise her to keep plodding, plodding ahead? Keep going. If you have the energy, like it is, it is exhausting, and and obviously Una's case is going back a lot longer than mine. I mm-hmm. don't know how how I'd feel if it had dragged on as long as that, you know. Um, and it, it, and it is very tiring, and it's it's wearing when you're not getting a response. Like I suppose we were lucky; the momentum was always there, and the momentum carried us along. But I think if I was in Una's situation and I was kind of being rejected at every turn you do get demoralised and you do get exhausted and you do feel what's the bloody point you know so it's it's easy for me to say oh carry on carry on but you mm-hmm. know as they say don't let somebody who hasn't walked in your shoes tell you how to tie your laces you know yeah exactly yeah Yeah. I know Yeah. you know I'm hoping there will be change you know what I mean so um, we can just keep going like Andrew McGinley is, is in the same situation as you know as myself um yeah. wanting change in, in the Mental Health Act and um, I just can't understand why they don't um, input the change yeah. you know as it's great for you Una, that uh, there was a change made in, in a year which is fantastic well done mm-hmm. and Minister McIntyre unfortunately wasn't, he wasn't successful for me when I met her yeah. you know it strikes to me here outcome. as well Una that you need somewhere in the system and I think Una Ring you met people like you said, Lisa Chambers, and him, who actually wanted and were prepared to do it. You still, I think, yeah. Una Butler, you have to meet that person yet who actually mm-hmm. wants to do it and is prepared yes. to do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's, unfor- yeah. that's unfortunate. To you both, good luck for the future. Uh, and I know that uh, you, you both, uh, you're very strong women, very strong women. Una Butler and Una Ring, both from East Cork one of whom has now succeeded in changing the law of this land to make stalking a standalone offence. The other who is trying to change the law of this land so that the family of someone with a mental health issue can be part of their treatment plan. And to them both, this beautiful spring Friday, best of luck with everything. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Every year, you join us to support a very worthy cause. And each time, we're astonished by your amazing generosity. If you need a light to shine in. Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th for Cork Cancer Services. And once again, we're asking you to include us in your diary. Include us in your diary. Start thinking now about fun ways to fundraise. You could also host a coffee break or fill one of our change collector boxes. I'll be everything you want I'll be there. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 26th to 28th. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. So the chance of the question for our uh, competition with the Cork City Marathon, encouraging you to register for the marathon on Sunday, June 5th. Remember, you can do the full marathon, the half marathon, you can go solo, you can be part of a team, you can take the youth challenge. You can do what you like at Cork's 96 FM. And we'll support you all the way, whatever choice you make. Giving away an overnight stay with dinner for two people at the Riverlea Hotel in conjunction with this, the drive to repeat, get people to register. So our question today... The happy song. Yeah. Farrell Williams. Happy song. 2017. Was it really that long ago? How long did it stay in the charts? How long did that happy song stay in the charts? Was it 92 weeks or 40 weeks? A90 or A92 or B40? You text the answer and your name to 083 396 96 So pick today's qualifier. Just before 10, we'll draw a winner at the end of the programme. Now, do you know what a brachycephalic dog is? A what, PJ? A brachycephalic dog. You do, actually. You've seen them around. Pugs, for example. Cute little pugs. And boxers. And little bulldogs. Particularly, uh, they're brachycephalic. It's down to the flat shape of their head. And they are cute little things. Pugs are cute little puppies. But they are bred in a way that a lot of people consider to be extraordinarily cruel methods, which gives them that shape is manufactured. That's not the genuine shape of their head. It's been manufactured. And they have lifelong medical problems. Brachycephalic dogs have lifelong medical problems. I was talking to someone during the week who works in that area and said that there's practically every pug puppy will need an operation at one point or other to enable them to continue to breathe. It's, there's a campaign now in the UK to ban the breeding of these little dogs. Uh, John Carmody, um, animal rights campaigner who's been on the show many, many times. John, you and I would, would disagree on quite a number of things, I think, over the years. But on this one, I'm with you. They're beautiful little dogs, but they're bred in a horrible way. Good morning. PJ, thanks for having me on. And absolutely, we've, we've went... Um, 
uh, with difference of opinion over the years, but you're right on this one. And here's the thing. We have an unhealthy obsession with breeding animals. And and I, I actually commend the Blue Cross actually for taking action to try get this stamped out in the UK. But I suppose what many of your listeners don't know, and I'm glad you're actually picking up on this important issue at the minute because we do have an obsession with breeding these poor animals um we we are the puppy farming capital of europe we have puppy farms in nearly every county in the country we have breeders in every town in this country as well and in many ways it's it's cruel of course the cruelty and the the human genetic manipulation of these dogs is absolutely grotesque and they often do it for to prey those poor animals around in croft shows those animals, those dogs or cats, as a matter of fact, they don't give a damn about their physical appearance, but they, they actually suffer the consequences of this inbreeding. Um, and it obviously brings a huge amount of health problems onto those animals, such as dysplasia, blindness, deafness, heart defects, skin problems, epilepsy. The list um, is in front of me is is endless. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that there is no such thing as a, a good breeder, in my opinion, so long as we have huge numbers of helpless animals looking for a home in caring shelters around the country and so long as we've got thousands of dogs and puppies and other animals that are being killed in Irish pounds there should be no reason in this day and age that we have to continue on breeding these animals it should be rooted out and if we can't get it politically like we've done with other issues as a matter of fact Mm. then people have to cop on and sit up if they're at their kitchen table right now having their cup of tea listening to John Carmody mounting on about animal rights again it, the time has come right now for us to 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 man up or human up. Whatever it is. No, I mean, if you look, if you look up, you look up. Just just look up Instagram and search for cute pugs, and they're the most gorgeous little things. But but take a pug that's a few years old and starting to starting to fail a bit, and just listen to that dog trying to breathe. You're and right. trying to sleep. It's, it's absolutely. The other bigger problem with the with the little pugs as well is is that they have um, heart defects after a while as well, and they you do, find yeah. a lot of them end up and eye diseases because um, they can't close and, their and eyes is, properly. Absolutely. You know, Peter, here's the thing, and I said this yesterday, actually, and this is the God's honest truth, as someone else said, wherever animals are used, corners will always be cut. And I can tell you this here and now, people need to get move beyond their obsession with looking for these um these purebred perfect dogs um, because it's it's absolutely a, a, a disgrace of an industry um, that are profiting and this is the reason why these animals are, are being bred the way they're being bred because there's a huge amount of money to be made out of them and make no mistake about this as well is that for every time we go off there we open up the buy and sell newspaper or we go onto a website where we can we can go through a catalogue of different types of dogs and puppies that we can buy every time we, we choose to fork out money for, the, for one particular animal we kill the chances of a dog sitting down in a shelter um, that's looking for a second chance. Um, can I just tell you this as well, PJ, because I have so much that I can say on this one and I don't want to be burning your listeners' ears out with, with all this information, but um, a good couple of years ago, we done an underco- undercover investigation at Aaron. Um, we, we looked into the whole world of breeders 
And one particular um, uh, newspaper that we were looking at, there was like five or six different types of breeds on sale and there was five or six different phone numbers. So to anyone just looking in, you'd nearly think that it was just um, five or six different type of people breeding these dogs. But it turned out to be it was just one person um, with five or six different phone numbers with five or six different types of breeds. Um, We said, is there a possibility that we can go and see the mother? And they were like, "Um, yeah. And we were like, can we call to the house? Or they're like, oh, no, no, no. What we can do is we can meet you in a car park. They named the supermarket um, where we could go and we could um, meet the mother apparently to see was everything okay. Okay, even though it's a big, that's a nonsense as well as a matter of fact, because you can't, um, on paper, kind of given guidelines and stuff to all this breeding, it makes no difference. But anyway, needless to say, it's a big whole murky world. And I wish to God people would sit up and and stop buying these animals. Mm. And if there is any efforts in the near future in this country to to stamp out this type of breeding, yeah. I would ask your listeners to please get on board. And you know sure. what, John, I, I, I certainly, I don't know if you'd agree with me here, but I certainly wouldn't blame anybody who has a pug or has a bulldog because they love that dog and they do anything they can for it. And for a pug, a pug Pug puppy, keeping a pug puppy is expensive because they, they're cost nearly a grand if you buy them. And then Absolutely. there's vets' bills. It's hard to get them insured because of their underlying conditions. But you still love your dog. I don't doubt that anybody listening to me this morning who has a pug, I don't doubt that they love their dog. But they are bred Here's in a very cruel thing. way. You're absolutely right. But here's the other thing as well. Just for any listeners that might call up your switchboard now and tell, there's that John Carmody on complaining again. We can't even regulate this industry unless no one tell you any different. It might look good in paper when we hear of these laws that apparently come out to regulate these industries. Regulation is meaningless. The only way we're going to stop this exploitation and we're going to stop this suffering and we're going to stop this cruelty is when people refuse to buy these animals and refuse to support the breeders who are engaged on this. I can tell you here and now as well, PJ, there's been so much prog- progress made in this country. And a lot of the times it's all down to having these little conversations on local and national radio stations that get people thinking at least. Mm. But I can tell you that moves need to happen right now to to step up the pace of getting rid of puppy breeder puppy farms in this country and getting rid of all that exploitation. Mm. Because like I said, there is dogs in shelters around the country that are looking desperately for a second chance in this yeah. world. And for as long as we continue buying them, even breeding these little animals, even down to pugs, then the, the, the problem continues. Well, on. John, one thing that did change, and it's a success that I don't often get a chance to mention, was for a long time, and when I certainly, I was certainly into my teens and this was still happening, they used to dock puppies' tails. It was the most horrible yeah cruel thing. You'd see little puppy going around and this beautiful long swishy tail had been nicked off with a Stanley knife on top of a block of timber. That's how they used to do it. We got that banned. We have. Got that um, banned. And there's, there's been... That was a real old-fashioned thing, and you and, and not only just that; those poor puppies, they were being those puppies were coming from litter after litter after litter after litter. So not only were we breeding them and bringing them into an, an uncaring and mutilate tough... Them. Mutilate them when they're a week old. We're mutilating them. And their suffering didn't just stop there, PJ, as a matter of fact. Because a lot of the times, if we if they couldn't get homes for those puppies, they were put into bags, as you know. Oh, don't, don't, even there. The don't, don't even go you there. Don't even go there. But so, I take... I take the thing, look, yeah. We, yeah, go on. 
we've absolutely changed as a society. We've moved on. We're we're able to see all this now with a click of a button. We're able to go right into the puppy farms. We're able to see right in to the shelters who need our help and need our support. And we need to have a little bit more cop on. You don't need to be super ordinary or anything else. Sometimes these conversations help. I hope to God when I get off the phone, people will think a little bit more. And if they do, and if they are looking for an animal to please go down to your nearest reputable animal shelter or sanctuary yeah. and take, take a little soul out and and give them your all, you know. Yeah. Or if you know someone across the road, if your neighbour has a, a is, has a couple of puppies that they're giving away, you know, don't don't get involved with this this buying of puppies. Thank you, John. John Carmody, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The beautiful dogs. They're gorgeous little dogs. We've put a picture of one up on the Twitter. There, they're like beautiful little dogs, but they're bred so cruelly. And if you don't remember. The docking of tails, look it up, look it up. One sure vote winner is proper animal rights legislation. It amazes me no one's lashed on to this before. The owners also know the problems. They're part of the problem, says, says Kevin. One thing I don't know, I should have asked John, maybe he would know, is the declawing of cats still allowed? That was another horribly cruel thing they used to do. They used to declaw cats. If you declaw a cat, you, you, you limit its mobility, something horrible. 0818969696. Ed Sheeran will be back. Another Ed Sheeran song between now. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do it between now and 11 o'clock. How's that for you? There will be an Ed Sheeran song between now and 11 o'clock. That's my guarantee to you today. When you hear it, you need to text to WhatsApp 083. 396-96-96. Here's a man I haven't spoken to on the radio in a long time. John Gilroy, good morning. Good morning, PJ. John, former former senator and uh, psychiatric nurse. I think that's where you went back to after after politics, wasn't it, last time we were talking? But now you're looking for to collect crutches to send to Ukraine. Tell me more. Yeah, we've set up a group here in Glanmire um, to gather up uh, crutches, walking aids, walking frames, wheelchairs, uh, you know, these support boots, you know, and splints um, that are lying around every single house in Cork and Ireland. When you visit A&E, if you had a broken leg, for instance, and you're given crutches, um, you're, you're, you take the crutches home and the HSE don't have a facility to take the crutches back. So we know that there are literally thousands of crutches lying around the place and we want to gather them up and send them out to Ukraine where they're badly needed. Mm. And wheelchairs, you can't send a wheelchair back. You can't send a walking frame back. You can't send one of those boots back. No, you can send, they, they just don't have the facility to take to take back any medical devices that they give out. Yeah. So they're probably garden sheds, attics, under stairs, presses, full of them. So where are you, where are you collecting them? Well, I'll tell you what, we set up a group called uh, uh, Crutches for Ukraine, for the number four, Crutches for Ukraine, that, and um, we have a Facebook page that'll give information on that. So we've started off in a small way only, PJ. Um, Ryan's Super Value in Glanmire will accept all donations, and we have set up um, a, a, a network, I suppose. Um, Yukon uh, tr- uh, Shipping has given us a container at Tivoli to store and Jerry Cahan Pallet at the old uh, White Church Road has given us shipping uh, containers to, you know, make the, the loads manageable. Like I say, Liam Ryan in Super Value has set up a, a drop-off point 
um, and we have um, we have transport organised with a. You, you'll know Derry O'Shea. I think you interviewed him. I do. Um, I, do. I know Derry. Um, so all of all of the, all of the wheels are in motion. You just need the crutches. Yeah, what I'm what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's what we're looking for, and I'm looking for your listeners maybe weigh in to give me a hand in the local organisation of it because you could imagine how how extensive and how labour intensive this will be. So if people were interested in setting up a small um, drop off point in their own areas, we'd be delighted to right. coordinate with them and see can we can we um, can okay. we can we collect as okay. much as we can. Well, well there's a Facebook we, page, Crutches Four, the number four, Ukraine. And people can contact you through there. Ryan Supervalue are presently collecting them. Uh, the truck will leave in about six weeks' time, hoping to get a thousand pairs of crutches and walk-in frames and wheelchairs. So if you can help, go onto that Facebook page. And uh, if you've got some, pop down to Ryan's in Glenmire and pop them into the collection point there. John Gilroy, thank you very much. Good luck with that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know something? If you think that match is now guaranteed to be played in Parky Ring, uh, I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah, Cork said to Kerry will you come to Parky Ring and play and Kerry said yeah of course we will no problem we'll do that we understand the situation you can't play in Parky Creek because of Ed and all that uh, yeah we'll come um, it has to get past the month to council GAA politics my friends makes the wildest shenanigans of the doll look like a tea party so it has to get past months to council and if they wanted to stay in Killarney, in Killarney, it'll stay. That's the thing. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'd, I'd like to be wrong. I'd like to be wrong. I probably will be. I usually am on these things. 0818 96 96 96. An Ed Sheeran song coming. I will be playing Bad Habits at some stage soon. You're watching out for Bad Habits coming up on the program. Now, my conversation with John Carmody, as usual was interesting and engaging and John is passionate and on this one I'm totally in agreement with the man that I, I, I would pugs are beautiful little creatures and bulldogs are beautiful little dogs but they're bred so cruelly that that kind of breeding needs to be outlawed and John was making the point during our conversation as well you know do not buy dogs from breeders adopt dogs from a shelter or take dogs from Someone who who you know is breeding them properly and looking after them and all that. Don't. Then we got a couple of calls in about that. I'm going to read the messages. Um, PJ, regarding the comment to look at shelters rather than buy privately, it's not as easy as this. I applied to numerous dog shelters and rescue centres for a dog to which we'd give a loving home. I was turned down immediately because I had children. A lot of rescue dogs up for adoption. It states in the application that they'd prefer a home with no children or children over a certain age. I'm not the only one who's experienced this. It was very difficult and very disheartening. We ended up having to buy our dog from a breeder 
for 1,200 euro. I understand certain dogs don't suit families and all that, but 99% of dogs up for adoption need a home without children or children over the age of 12. Don't get me wrong, the rescue centres do a fabulous job, but it's disheartening then when you're turned away because you have children. And another one. Hi PJ, just listening to that gentleman discussing dog breeding. I work in a veterinary clinic. I would never buy an animal from a breeder. However, some animal shelters make it nigh on impossible for people to adopt pets because of the hoops they have to jump through, including a clause in many cases where you can't adopt if you've kids under a certain age. I understand you have to have certain requirements in place, but it's playing a part in decent families being driven to buy a pup from a breeder because they can't meet the criteria. Changes need to be happening on both sides. Let me go to Moira O'Sullivan from DAWG, the Dog Action and Welfare Group and Friends of the Show. Moira, can you clarify that situation for me? Is it the case that if I have children under 12, I, it makes it more difficult to adopt a dog? Good morning. Um, hi, PJ. How are you? Um, it makes it more difficult to start, adopt certain dogs. Um, that That is true. Um, we do have rules in place around puppies. We don't give them to homes with children under three. Um, and that's for the benefit of both parties. Puppies are fragile and puppies are also nippy. And with small kids, it's very difficult to, you know, explain to them that you can't touch the dog this way or you can't, you know, drop the dog or... Um, things like that. So just with very small children, we don't usually um, allow puppies. Mm. And then depending on the dog that we have, the dog's personality, um, what the dog is used to because they've had a life before us, um, we do sometimes set an age limit. So we will say, you know, if it's a very jumpy dog, particularly um, very large dog who doesn't know their own size, um, we will say, you know, no kids under eight, um, perhaps no kids under 12 would be more rare. Um, but usually it's just because, again, we're looking out for both parties. We don't want the kids to get hurt um, and we don't want the dog to be unhappy or uncomfortable either. Mm. Um, the, the fact is, unfortunately, we do get, you know, r- returns from people um, saying, you know, that the dog barked at my kids um, or, um, you know, we had a, a situation where um, um, a kid tried to ride on a dog and when the dog um, snapped at them, didn't bite them, but snapped their teeth at them, um, that they were then immediately for rehoming. Um, so, you know, not all dogs, not all kids, I guess, is the is the sort of um, message there. And what we're doing is the best assessment we can of what will suit the dog mm-hmm. um, and what will suit a family. Would I, um, would, would, I, would I put it this way, and you might agree, you're looking for a home for a dog, not a dog for a home? Um, I suppose, yeah. I mean, we, we sort of, you know, people often say to us, for example, we insist that the dog um, is, is sort of an inside dog. We don't, we don't allow um, dogs to go to homes where they sleep outdoors. Um, and so people will say to us, you know, oh, but like it's better than them being put to sleep. Well, we don't put dogs to sleep. Um, we will wait till we find a better home. Or you know a home a home where the dog is treated as a member of the family, um, and again you know some of our dogs are born into our care. Some of our dogs um, you know we know exactly where they've come from and what kind of life they've had before. Um, but some um, you know we need to be a little bit more careful because we you know we either don't know what kind of life they had before, 
Um, I know myself, like I have two dogs. They're both much older. One of my friend's kids was in the house the other day. One of my dogs spent the entire time hiding under the kitchen table because he was just like unable to cope with a toddler in the house, you know? Um, so in the I, other could, I could join him there actually sometimes, you know? Yeah, and the other one actually was absolutely fantastic with him. Um, and they were sort of, the toddler got into the dog bed and was, was lying with her and everything was lovely. Um, and then the toddler decided he wanted to get up and to get up, he put all his weight onto her um, side and pushed upwards. Um, so she, so she, at 13 and a half years old, let out a little yelp, you know, um, which obviously then frightened the toddler and he was, he's kind of burst into tears. Um, and like that's with himself, my, my, myself and his mother sitting within two inches watching the situation, thinking it was fine. Um, so unfortunately, you know, with, with some dogs, um, we just think it's not a suitable environment for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, a bit like don't, is, it's a bit like don't, don't get a puppy for Christmas. It's the worst time of the year. So to clarify, <laughs> you certainly, your, your group anyway, DAWG, you, yeah. you won't send a, a, a dog to a house where there are children under the age of three. We won't send a puppy. A puppy, okay. A puppy. So the rule is, the rule is, and again, these are rules that are, they're not hard and fast. If we see a situation where, you know, there's older kids in the house and they've been with a dog all their lives and the younger kids understand how to behave around kids, that's a very different situation from, you know, and it's an older dog who's used to being around kids. That's a very different situation from, you know, we want a puppy and we have, you know, three toddlers, <laughs> right? So... We always assess each case, I suppose, on its individual merit. Um, but we are looking for the best home for each dog. Okay. Okay. Um, and the other thing I would say is, you know, we get a lot of requests, which are um, we would like a house-trained puppy that is small and hypoallergenic and doesn't bark. <laughs> and you kind of go, okay, well, that's what you want as a teddy bear. Um, what, what we have are actual dogs. <laughs> um, so, for example, right now we have a huge amount of lurchers, for example, which are very hard to home in Ireland because people don't think of lurchers as pets. Yeah. Um, My daughter's weak for lurchers. She's weak for lurchers. I, I, I love a hairy lurcher. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's not what people are looking for. People are looking for, you know, pugs and Frenchies and things like that. Mm. And, you know, as you, we've talked about, the sort of, I know you were talking about the sort of brachiocephalic, the flat-faced dogs. Um, we usually get those ex-breeding, so they'd be sort of 13, 14, 15 years old sometimes, oh. often deaf and blind and need a lot of special attention. Oh, um, so when we do get something like a pug or a bichon or you know, a cute little crossbreed, we get hundreds of applications for those. Um, so again, we have to choose the best home for the dog. Yeah. And if that's a home without children, then you know that's that's the case, unfortunately, that, that that home will get it, the best home will get it. All right, listen, you've explained a lot, and thank you for it, taking our call at short notice. Moira O'Sullivan from the Dog Action and Welfare Group. They're doing this to protect the dog. Thanks, Fish, she's back with you there. 0818 96 96 96. So it is a policy in many of the shelters that they won't send a puppy to a house with small children. Kate says, our dog Rocky is adopted. The vetting process is very strict, but it's no harm. It doesn't take much imagination to think of the ways people could exploit an adoption situation and do all kinds of cruel things. Other people could repeat a cycle of taking on too much without really thinking it out what it's like to own a dog. And then the poor animal is repeatedly getting adopted by 
different families. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts are welcome. Your thoughts are welcome. And yes, people, because of that process, are going to go back to breeders and pay them big chunks of cash. Like 1,200 quid for a dog is ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous for a dog. Mind you, there's a breed of cat. Uh, they were the most beautiful cats in the world. They're like a small dog. Maine Coon, gorgeous cats. They change hands for two grand. 0818 96 96 96. Bernie was on to us. And I heard this interview, Bernie, and I must say I was quite impressed with him. The other morning, uh, Simon Harris was on radio, Minister for Higher Education. He was talking about third level and the emphasis that we place on third level. And Bernie is wondering if we throw this out there to see what people think. And we will, Bernie. He, he was saying that we overemphasize college and the importance of college and the importance of points. And there was a couple of things he said. Uh, stuff like this, for example. It is not accidental that we have a shortage of people to build houses in this country. It's not accidental from a policy point of view that we don't have enough people to retrofit homes in this country. This is a result of the fact that we have, in my view, devalued the importance that we attach to trades and to alternative routes after school. Those are strong words. And and he followed up with this. I think we're outliers here in terms of the pressure that we actually put on young people in terms of you must get X amount of points and if you don't get X amount of points, you can't fulfill your dreams or your career. Firstly, it's not true, um, but we've allowed a narrowing of the conversation around the options after school. I wonder what you think of that. Just throw it out there. See what people think. Bernie was wondering will we develop it further. Uh, Bernie said, for example, I, I see it myself all the time. There's no opportunity to develop communication skills the lads doing trades like carpentry are far more human and easier to communicate with. But I like the point the minister is making there. We're talking about a housing crisis and a building crisis and a shortage of people to build and retrofit and all this, the massive retrofitting program. But as, as, as Minister Harris is saying, we, we have a shortage of, of, of skilled workers. It is not accidental that we have a shortage of people to build houses in this country. It's not accidental from a policy point of view that we don't have enough people to retrofit homes in this country. This is a result of the fact that we have, in my view, devalued the importance that we attach to trades and to alternative routes after school. Your thoughts would be welcome at 0818969696. Talking, we were talking to, was it an electrician, was it Ken was his name, a few weeks ago about the importance of apprenticeships. Thanks for that, Bernie. Thanks for drawing our attention to that. John Long of Strand Palace in Yall was today's qualifier with the Riverlea Hotel and Cork City Marathon. So we add your name, John, to the list that also has Sarah Connolly from Glenmire on it, Jack O'Sullivan from the Glen, and Julie Curtin, who I don't have an exact address for, but I have an email address for you. So Julie Curtin, Jack O'Sullivan, Sarah Connolly and John Long are our qualifiers. And we'll draw one before the end of the show. So if the four of you are listening or if you're a friend of theirs and they said they qualified, let them know because we'll pick a phone number at random at the end of the programme. We'll call them back. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The two 
Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Corks 96FM. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now you'll hear a lot about it in the news today and a lot of it in the newspapers. Some great photographs actually in this morning's newspapers marking the day in different ways. Today is Earth Day. And we're going to touch on it a couple of times between now and the end of the Opinion Line today. But it's Earth Day. And investing in our planet is the theme of World Earth Day. And the Cork Environmental Forum uh, believe that we can bring this down to our own little patch of grass, little patch of garden, behind or in front of the house. Bernie Connolly. Hi, Bernie. Hello. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. As part of World Earth Day, you really do want us to change the way we tend our gardens. How? Yes, definitely, because I think about 86% of the planet is either paved or ploughed. So we're really, um, I suppose, disturbing habitat for other species. And we're ruining the future for ourselves because of all the services that, you know, um, greenery and um, good soil and all of that give us. So I guess for ourselves, we work very much um, linking local level to um, national initiatives and Everything, I suppose, that is going to happen has to happen at a local level. The IPCC report even points to that, that everything will be hyper-local. So our own gardens are really important. And we did a lovely series um, called How to Invite Wildlife into Your Urban Garden a few years ago with support from Cork City Council through their Heritage and Biodiversity section and also with Frameworks Films. And what that did was really show the different green spaces and habitats for nature throughout the city in different sized gardens and what people were 
were doing, even without knowing, you know, the pile of logs at the end of the garden that they had just left there, mm. being a habitat for lots of species. So really, we can all leave a little bit to nature in any of our gardens mm. and we tidy too much. You would, know? You, would you we're rather I didn't cut my grass? Um, no, you, you need to cut the grass because the problem is that grass is very strong and it is stronger than a lot of the wildflowers that have their seeds in the soil. So actually there is um, there is merit where, where grass is particularly strong, where people have grown lawns and that. You do have to weaken the grass by cutting it. But there's a great guide there that um, Juanita Brown did for Leash County Council and it's available. Um, we have a link to it on our website and it's also available. Like if you Google it, it's called Gardening for Biodiversity. And in that, she gives a guideline as to when you should cut so the, to create your you know, um, species rich meadow. So the first cut after the 15th of April, so just now. So if people have left their grass and haven't cut it yet, now is the ideal time. And, you know, if you cut it then, it allows the dandelions and we've all been seeing the dandelions. It's great to see that Cork County Council and Cork City are delaying cutting as well so that um, the wildflowers can come out and that there's um, the larger they are for the bees and other pollinators that they need as they emerge from their hibernation at this time of year. So it's really important that we allow those flowers to come through. And then that guide then just says at the end of May and mid late July, and by cutting it a few times a year, you are weakening the strength of the grass and allowing the natural seeds that are there to come through. You know, so that we're we're a bit obsessed with sowing wildflowers, but actually there's a lot of seed in our soil already. Then and by weakening the grass, we will allow a lot of the natural, um, you know, flowers that are beautiful to come through. You know, they're really gorgeous. You um, see, I, I grew so up. Really I, I grew that. up in the mentality that the minute you see a dandelion and the minute you see a daisy, <laughs> out with the lawnmower because they're weeds. Bernie, they're weeds. Uh, they're flowers in the wrong place is what they used to say. But actually, I think I think there's much more of an awareness now. And they actually look lovely. I mean, when you see a carpet of yellow, it's beautiful. I mean, maybe the odd one, you know, it, 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 it was what we grew up with. And there was an excellent article in the Examiner this week, actually, by Juanita Brown around that. And, mm. you know, people going out, picking off the heads of the dandelions because it looked like you had an untidy garden. But I, I love the fact that even after you do mow, the dandelions and the daisies are the first to spring up again. Yeah. So they, they just look beautiful. They're, yes, they're resilient for a reason, I guess. But but you know they're so important. And like spring is is here now. It's beautiful gardening weather. But I think the problem that we all do is we go run out into our garden and try to tidy it up too much. And actually, doing less is more for wildlife, okay. for the insects, for the bees, for the butterflies. And I'm a great advocate for a patch of nettles. You know, nettles are probably something else that people really don't like in their garden. But five of our most beautiful butterflies, the most colourful ones, like the peacocks and the Red Admirals and that, they're the host plant for those. So it's mm. really, really good to have a patch Which of nettles. you see, if you put nettles, if you, if you let nettles there, then you're going to get dock leaves growing next to the little nettles. And before ah. you know it, you've a field. Ah, but we, we have the urge to weed, you know, a little bit so we can, you know, pull out the docks if we need <laughs> I know. to. I'm only, I'm only messing. I know that I know the thinking has changed. I know that when we're out now planting and sowing and my my missus is, is mad for her flowers. She just loves her colour in the garden and she spends weeks at this time of the year and any hour she has that where the sun is out tending to her pots and her boxes to get the flowers going. So how can she help with, with the biodiversity? 
Well, I think it's choosing. I, I mean, it's not about people not having the more exotic or cultivated plants in, in their garden, but it is about leaving some of it to the more wild areas, you know, leaving some patches that are a little bit more wild. But again, when you are cultivating or, you know, having plants in your garden, try to pick ones that, you know, are good for the bees. Try to have a patch even of herbs that you can use yourself. You know, all of these Mm. things are really good. At the moment, the rosemary has beautiful blue flowers and that's what the bees are going to as well and and other insects. So, you know, choose plants that, you know, are going to be good for pollinators, good for, you know, the wildlife around because they're the ones and and also the more native species generally are the reason why we go for native species is because the insects and the wildlife that we have has grown up for thousands of years with those so they're far more beneficial to them Mm. than say um, other plants but of course we all love lavender and that doesn't you know that's not a native plant and and it's fine to have those kind of um, plants in our gardens as well and other pretty looking flowers, you know, that would make sure that they are of some use. I mean, there are a lot of plants as well that we bring in that really are of no value to um, nature or they're not much value really in in any sense. And we have to be really careful as well about introducing maybe invasives that, you know, we've we've done that and it was through the Royal Horticultural Society and all of these long ago when we didn't know, but we know yeah, now, we know now. Um, what the dangers of doing that. Like, so like I think I, it's I just a... doing a little bit of research and there's fantastic guides out there. Yeah. There's no excuse for anyone because the Biodiversity Data Centre and the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan have fantastic guides on, you know, what what plants to grow, what you can attract by the various different plants. So I think it's great. And I think even in hedges and everything, mm. you know, making things permeable. In the urban context, there's lots of issues because we put up concrete walls between gardens and then the poor little hedgehog can't go from one garden to another. So this is something that we also need to think about. What, How can we create these green corridors so that mammals and birds and insects have enough to eat, to nest and the whole life cycle for them and yeah. also that they have permeability yeah, to move through. So I guess the little patch you know, of we land are that's out the back or out the front, we do we do share it with these with these creatures and, and, and they were there before. Oh yeah, and and they're so important for us. I mean, you know, I don't know. Do, do people? There's a there's a biophilic relationship, and that's our need to. You know, we we get a lot from you know being in nature, but we also get a lot from seeing maybe a kingfisher or you know, and uh, like the other day I saw an orange tip butterfly in my first blue, and you know, you really get a thrill from that. And it's our innate need to kind of be more engaged and related with the rest of the species that share. Yeah, our, our world around us, with us. But we kind of lost a little bit of that connection, I think, um, over time, you know, and we're regaining it. I think COVID has helped in that regard. It has brought us out. But I would like, PJ, to touch on one issue that I think um, doesn't get enough maybe um, attention or is something that everyone can do, but it's also something that, you know, individuals are doing, agencies of the state are doing, and also... Um, farmers are doing there is way too much spraying going on you know we are spraying pesticides herbicides fungicides every side and you know anything with side it just denotes that that substance kills Mm. but i think people need to really get into their mind that you know it's not just killing the grass that you're spraying or it's killing everything else around and there's also wind drift and you know 
that will drift onto the flowers that then the bees are going to go to. And, and there's a uh, cumulative impact. So it's really negative. The other thing we should be aware of is, you know, there are lots of pesticides going into our drinking water and we should be really concerned just about the widespread use of pesticide, I think, in general. And I, I think the one thing we could do collectively, and I think today um, the, the theme for... Um, Earth Day is about investing in our planet, but it's also going to say it also says it's going to take all of us, business, government, citizens. So we all need to do it. I mean, what what people can do individually across all the measures for climate biodiversity is probably 30 percent of the lifting. And it's a really important part of it. But then a big part of it is our institutions and, you know, how we produce our food as well is, is really important. So my one plea to people who are listening today is please, if you use any of those herbicides, pesticides, anything like that, please stop using them. Please, you know, invest in a good hole if you're worried about the weeds, you know. And, and, there, and there's excellent. And if you're planting something, make it make it something that, that will attract the bees. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And and I mean, that's that's easy to do. And I think, you know, in, in the um, local authorities as well, in the parks um, and in the parks and recreation and those areas, there there is much more awareness. They have Cork County Council has signed up as well now to the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan. So through, by doing that, you know, there is more engagement from communities, from our agencies and but by individuals as well. But I think everyone can do a little bit. And I think we really need to seriously think this Earth Day because we overshot our planetary boundaries yesterday. Yesterday was Ireland's yeah, overshoot I saw that in the day. paper. What's that mean? What's that mean? So what it basically means is if everyone in the world consumed the way we Irish do, we would have no more resources for the rest of the year, for instance. They, they, they work out the basis of what we're consuming from our footprint. And um, we really need to think about that because we're still consuming way too much. And I think the fact that, you know, the two days almost coincide with each other is is really um, ironic in one sense. But we, we, we are really not doing enough I suppose at every level but I do think you know it's about the little things and everyone can do a little a little bit on their own basis but also we do need um, the state and our local authorities and everybody else to row in as well so my plea really would be around the use of pesticides to be honest I think if we stopped using those um, you know our biodiversity loss would be way way less because we're really you know, really destroying habitats with it. And people don't realise the damage they're doing, you know. Um, yeah. We'll leave it there, Bernie. And like you said, uh, it's time that people are tending their gardens. You're not asking them not to tend their gardens. You're asking them to tend their gardens in a way that will help the environment. And there's plenty of information out there. Thanks, Bernie. 0818969696. To the mayor of the county, quickly and that is councillor Gillian Collin. Gillian tell me about this new idea from the county council library a little library book bag for every child. Great idea where did it come from? Morning. Good morning Good morning, PJ, good morning, thank you um, yes it is a magnificent idea and Cork County Council is spearheading this across the county. It's a little library book bag that will be offered to each 
junior infant as they begin their school journey this year, um, being advertised through Childminders and through uh, creches currently. And it's a little library book bag which contains three books on starting school and making friends and being comfortable to be yourself. A little story card on, about going to the library little postcard that the child can write on or draw on and send to their teacher um, on the first day of school and then their own library cards and a little library card holder and of course the idea is to become familiar with the library to become familiar with reading to be comfortable with reading uh, and I think it's a magnificent really magnificent um, initiative and of course Toshig are fall trigwega kumala hagna the poshti is all egg fall and trigwega so poshti shin just go hunt the kadeer fad kumakena or else, it's there's no greater gift you can give a child, is there, than the joy of reading? Absolutely, you know. I think, especially with our digital age, everything, you know, it's, it's fast gratification. The memes, the short video, YouTube clips—that's what children have become to see as entertainment. However, uh, we do need to slow that down. We know that. I know that as a teacher, you know, concentration and de- determination to complete a task. Those types of skills will be lost if we don't, or if we're not careful. So, you know, to begin a book, to take your time to read through it, um, and to immerse yourself in the world of somebody else's creativity, and of course that spurs on our own children's creativity as well. And we want to encourage our young people to be creative and to think outside of the the norms, you know, and to be okay. the new world leaders in literacy, but also, of course, in science and math and technology, because books are not just about stories there about all of the information that exists in the world and while we might they might think of the internet as being the repository for that you know we always had books and our library is full of that information as well okay. and in a much more calm and timely way all right listen thank you for that that's mayor of the county councillor Gillian Collin you can get my little library book bag from any branch of the county library they've been available from this week that's a Cool idea. 0818 PJ, getting back to what I was saying about the news story from Mill Street. I, I'll read that after. And also someone who's not so keen on the idea of going to an animal shelter for a puppy. I'll get to them in a second. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Hudson Taylor released a brand new single and music video Hold Out Hope and have announced a Cork show at Cypress Avenue on Wednesday 15th of June. It's part of their Irish album tour with tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie Access all areas Van Morrison has added a second date at Cork Opera House taking place on June 28th Tickets are now on sale via the Cork Opera House box office and ticketmaster.ie Access all areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I mentioned after the news that I was just wondering last night, watching the reports from Mill Street on the Ukrainian refugees arriving 
and we understand that the inside of Green Glens has been converted into these units that can hold, I think, a total of nearly 300 people, if I was listening correctly. And that they're divided into little blocks of two bed or three bed, depending on the size of the family that's coming or the size of the group that's coming. And they have uh, bunks in them and a little kitchenette, I think. And it, the, imagined, the picture in my imagination is of what looks a bit like the inside of a vaccination centre. Remember them? But that the cubicles have beds in them and little kitchenettes in them and all that. That's the imagination. And I thought, when I turned on the television news, to, that, that we would see at least what kind of accommodation was being provided. But we weren't. And it was stated specifically on the news that we weren't allowed to see, that the cameras were not allowed inside to see what these little units looked like. And I just made the point that that struck me as a bit strange. Obviously, there's privacy, but you could pick an empty one, for goodness sake. Pick an empty unit, pick an empty cubicle. Just show us what's in there, what it looks like. You know, picture paints a thousand words. Pat says, I'm sure the living quarters are fine in Mill Street. It's much better than living in a basement being bombed. Pat, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a second that it's anything other than fine. Uh, not for a moment. I, I imagine it's fantastic. But why are we not able to see it? That's what I'd like to know. On the adopting of dogs, John Carmody wants us to stop, wants everyone to stop buying dogs and only to adopt a dog from from a shelter, never buy from a breeder. There's a lot of people who would support him. And um, with people saying that it makes it difficult sometimes to go to one of these adoption centres because of the rules. We brought Moira on from DAWG, she explained why there are rules, particularly with regard to getting a dog or puppy for a house with small children in it, and there are rules, and that's for the protection of the animal, and indeed for the protection of the family. But Paul says, does John realise some people don't want a rescue dog that is two or three or four years old? They want their dog to grow with them, not a dog someone's had to abandon due to not being able to look after it. It's a view I've heard before, Paul. It certainly is a view I've heard before. I'm going straight back to World Earth Day. I am. Okay, thanks for that. And we should be starting to grow different things in order to combat the effects of climate change. Uh, some people are telling us that we should be growing things like mashuas and ochas and yakon and fava beans and things like now what on earth are they Teresa I hope you have a name right is it Boke from Crops of the Future Boek close enough yeah <laughs> what what are, well I know what fava beans are that's what that's what Hannibal Lecter used to use to wash down his victims um, what are oka <laughs> and mashua and yakon and why have I never heard of them uh, yeah, those are uh, South American crops and there's been research projects recently uh, that have been trying to introduce them more to uh, Irish uh, agriculture. And yeah, there are definitely uh, new options we could take mm. uh, to diversify our portfolio here a bit. And are we growing them here or can we? Uh, I. Uh, as far as I know, uh, yes, we can definitely grow them, uh, the, but it's uh, still in a, in a research phase. Um, yeah, but uh, the Irish uh, weather is uh, definitely well suited to grow these these mm. plants. Yeah. 
And we have so seen some moves by, by farmers and supermarkets to, to change the kind of stuff that they're growing and selling. What Are we doing this Absolutely. already with some products? Uh, we are already, but we are not doing it enough. For instance, like uh, Ireland has a huge potential to grow field beans. And we have meat alternative producers that make their products from fava beans, but they, they would like to use Irish fava beans, but they can't because there's just not enough grown here. So they have to import them from, from the continent, which is a shame because Ireland is perfect for growing them. And also if we grew more fava beans, we could use them as cattle feed. We could replace the soybeans that we're currently importing from Brazil okay. uh, with a huge carbon footprint. So yeah, there's a lot of untapped potential there. So we're, we're using a lot of air miles to, to bring in stuff we could quite feasibly grow here ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meat substitution is a big thing and substituting meat with plant-based stuff. And I believe, I've mm-hmm. never tasted it, but I believe that the, 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 the humble fava bean is useful in that regard as well, or other things. Absolutely, yeah. There's so many, many plant products we can, we can use for making new tasty alternatives, uh, also in dairy and, and meat alternatives. Mm. Um, so, yeah, for instance... are people moving uh, on for, to that? Mm-hmm. Are, are people at least trying it? I see where some of the, the burger chains have, have got their vegan option now and things like that. Yeah, but, I, but are, are people I wouldn't call moving it on? moving on. Yeah. I wouldn't call it moving on from meat, but yeah, meat and dairy alternatives, they are becoming definitely more popular. So right now in Ireland, we have about 10% of the population associating themselves with a vegetarian lifestyle. And those numbers are slowly rising. But where we see the biggest increase is the vegetarians. So that are people that aren't strict vegetarians, but they try to moderate their intake of, yeah. of meat and animal products. I, yeah. I do notice people having a veggie day or two or three yeah, veggie absolutely. days in the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And, and that's not a short-lived trend there, like, this is, uh, when we look at the number, this is something that's here to stay. Yeah. So the, the plant-based food sector is worth uh, 3.6 billion in 2020. So that's a huge market. Yeah. And yeah, consumers are more env- environmentally aware now. And they don't want products made from Brazilian soy or almond milk from California. Do you know the way that locally we, sourced crops? Yeah, yeah. Do you know the way that we again? There's another report in the the newspapers today about about climate change and and the way that it, an awful lot of it is inevitable. Yes, we can change it, but we're not going to change it tomorrow. We're we're going to have to develop no. plants and crops that are resilient to climate change. Is is there much research Absolutely. going on there? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we have, uh, we could go the genetically modified route, but uh, that's, uh, yeah, the consumers don't really want that. Then we have the, the lost crops we could use. So looking at wild varieties, but for instance, like I, I'm working in a, in a project called Smart Protein Project, and we, we study alternative protein sources such as legumes, but also quinoa, you know, like not totally modern stuff, but yeah, stuff mm. we can grow sustainably in the EU and uh, we try to integrate the whole like farm to fork. We have regenerative regenerative farming practices. Then we try to process those crops uh, with with less energy use with a smaller carbon footprint. And then we make like new meat and dairy alternatives. So that's what I'm doing at UCC all day, like making new tasty sustainable uh, dairy alternatives. Is from there a locally good website or a starting product. point, Teresa, where people might look up this stuff? Oh, yeah, we have a, we have a homepage, the Smart Protein uh, Project uh, 
www.eu. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, good to have you on the program uh, to mark World Earth Day, Teresa Bowick. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just in case you missed it there, that was our last qualifier was Melissa McCarthy in Ballinagubby Estate. There's a lovely name, Ballinagubby uh, in Kinsale. She goes forward to the draw for our Ed Sheeran giveaway, sending you to see Ed not once, but twice in, Par- in, in Parky Grieve on April 29th and Paris on July 30th. And you're listening for the hits and Simon will have more this afternoon when you hear them you text a whatsapp and your chance comes up then to get in the draw you're experiencing Ed Sheeran twice in Cork and Paris with Blackpool Shopping District no gimmicks no notions no paid parking just shopping it's what they do best and the giveaway only of course on Cork's 96 FM 0818 96 96 96 you might have seen this story in the news over the last 24 to 48 hours a very significant story from the Matter and St Vincent's hospitals in Dublin about a man called Martin Malinowski Martin Malinowski is the first person in this country who received a combined heart and liver transplant this is serious medical technology stuff this is huge breakthrough on the uh, transplant side of things. A combined heart and liver. It's an enormous surgery. And we've got incredibly skilled and talented people in this country doing that kind of work. And Martin Malinowski was the first man to receive both a heart and liver in one single transplant operation. It's an enormous step forward. It was welcomed in particular by the Irish Kidney Association at the start of... And it was most uh, fortunate coincidence that it came at the start of Organ Donor Awareness Week because Martin's life has been saved and um, would be made immensely better because of somebody's donation of their organs. Colin White joins me. He's National Advocacy and Projects Manager of the Irish Kidney Association. Colin, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. An enormous story there, the story of Mr. Malinowski. We really have come forward in our transplant skills in Ireland. It's very exciting, uh, to be honest, because um, any developments in the field of organ donation and transplantation kind of give that added hope to all those individuals and their families who are out there waiting and by Martin uh, being willing to share his story, I think he he shines a light on the fact that organ donation and transplantation is not about statistics, it's about people. 
and it's about transforming the lives of people and each of your listeners has it within them the capacity to potentially transform other lives by simply having the organ donation conversation sharing their wishes with their family and um, in the event of them being a potential donor it just makes the decision on their family that little bit easier and it can lead to transformations in lives such as Martin's. Yeah. In 2021, for example, 206 lives were transformed by transplant, 190 in 2020. And just before I go on to the Share Your Wishes conversation, um, that was down on the five-year average. Has there been a COVID effect, as it were, on transplants? There has very much. Um, we, we, we can't escape that um, because to be a potential donor, generally you have to be in an intensive care unit on a life support machine when they declare your brainstem dead. Yes. And um, so as a consequence, a potential donor is going to take up a, an ICU bed first for a short amount of time, like the window of opportunity is still very short. Um, so the um, COVID effect on our ICUs uh, definitely had a, an, an impact on uh, organ donation and just the general pressure that the uh, the hospitals were under. But it was transplanting oh. hospitals, but we would obviously know Beaumont in particular because they do um, the kidney transplants yeah. there. Um, the innovation and the determination of the staff to, to make the difference, to, to not sort of fall back on, oh, COVID, we can't. Mm. It's, it's uh, oh, COVID, we've got to come up with a plan B. Yeah. And um, I've had the good fortune to meet uh, a number of people who got their transplants during COVID, including a, a close relative of my own. Mm-hmm. And um, they're so appreciative that, sure. like also the, the families who said yes to organ donation, they said it during a particularly difficult time. It's always difficult to lose a loved one, but during COVID, it was that much harder. And um, those families who said, yes, we we want to make a difference. Um, I think from our launch on Tuesday that we had for Organ Donor Awareness Week, the message coming loud and clear from the recipients who spoke there was, thank you so much to those families out there Mm -hmm. who have the conversation, who share their wishes, and follow through and make the difference. On the subject of share your wishes, and I, I've said it here on this program many, many times, with me, it's a, a no-brainer. If I'm no longer here in the morning, if it works, my, my view has been for many years, Colin, if it's still working and someone can use it, take it. I'm done with it. That's That's been yeah. my personal stance. And I have the door no information on my driver's license and stuff like that. But something that I find strange is that I am that willing to give anything belong to me that works on the occasion of my death. But a family member or next of kin can walk into the room and stop that from happening. That's not right. It's certainly a, it's it's a subject uh, for debate not only here but internationally. There's there's different ways of um, looking at organ donation and um, like whether first person authorization uh, should kind of uh, overrule uh, all other considerations. Yeah. But I, I I think if you if you look at the reality of kind of the 
the process, if you like, when you've got a patient in hospital um, in the ICU and um, there's uh, hopefully on kind of 99.9% of the cases, there are family on hand to, yeah. to, to, to be with them. And the hope is always that uh, their lives are going to be saved. And organ donation is only really considered when that fight is lost. It's not, they don't kind of preempt it or anything. And um, it's, if you're in that situation, the family and, and, and their wishes and their emotions uh, also kind of, they kind of have to be factored into the, um, into the equation. Like we, we, we can speak in abstract terms mm. ab- ab- about how maybe the process should work. But I think we also have to look at the emotion of the situation sure. and sure. Um, but you kind of want to acknowledge the uh, the role of the people who are there. Yeah. And what we're saying with the Share Your Wishes campaign is um, have the conversation, use Organ Donor Awareness Week as the prompt yes. for the conversation. So like, talk to your family later today mm-hmm. and say, oh, I heard a piece on, on, on Cork 96 FM uh, today about organ donation. And yeah, I'm thinking about it and I think it's good. Mm-hmm. And it's not a difficult conversation to have in that context. There's no kind of major emotional ties to it. There's no kind of potential loss of life or anything like that. And then should you be in the position to be a potential organ donor, the family can reflect on that conversation and you're giving them something at a time of of great loss, a sense of real powerlessness yeah. That they just lost lost a loved one, and gosh, if only there was something we could do. Yeah, and there that opportunity then to do that uh, final wish to sort of say yes, we had that conversation. He said he wanted to be an organ donor. Please go ahead. Please go ahead, and that's where the share your wishes hashtag comes. You want people mm. to sit down and talk to those around them and said, you know what? If anything ever happened to me. D- yeah, do that's, and someone and I and I can offer someone else an opportunity. Go for it. Don't even have a discussion. Go for it. Well, I I, I remember one particular uh, poignant but very uplifting story where there was uh, a, a young man passed away. Uh, unfortunately, it was a brain hemorrhage, and at his funeral, his brother stood up and said, "Like we only have one funeral, not five, because my brother said yes to organ donation." And um, I thought, what a powerful thing to be able to say at a time of great grief. And um, like, and any transplant recipient, like they're 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 just in awe of the process. Like it's the time when you get your call for transplant. It's 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 a it's a time of great emotion. There's the excitement and anticipation of what a transplant could bring, but there's also the thoughts for the donor family that. Sure. Somewhere in the country at that same time, there's there's a family who are having to say goodbye. Sure. And um, like I, part, part of my role with the Kidney Association is I run our sports program and we go to events like the World Transplant Games. Uh, and I have to say, we have some very successful people from Cork on our team. So I heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but quite often, like at a medal ceremony, you'll see um, somebody on the podium and they'll just give that little nod upstairs and there'll be that kind of acknowledgement that we did this together. This was me and my donor yeah. uh, are the reason we're, 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 we're here together. And I think people who have 
said yes to organ donation should really take solace in the the gift of life and it's the gift that keeps on giving it's it's the the beauty of a sunrise it's the uh, the birth of a child like there's more and more now we're seeing uh, young people who who need transplants going on to have children post transplant magnificent and so, someone on the wonderful. phone here Colin says is there an upper age limit for being a donor there's not a strict strict age limit. Um, if, if I was to use an analogy, it would be um, it's not the miles in the clock; it's how the car was driven. <laughs> um, and like, if you think um, like somebody in their seventies needs a transplant, well, if you've got if you can age match a, a, a potential donor to them, it it might make a lot of sense. Mm. that um, kind of a, a donor coming from a 70-year-old or whatever. And equally, uh, and it's it's a, a very tough one to look at, is that we do have very small children and, and infants who need transplants. Mm. And the whole issue of size matching then comes into play. Yes. Because like, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot tall and reasonably big, big guy. Um, my heart or lungs or whatever are not going to fit into an infant. Uh, as as a potential donor, so you've like th- there's the potential for organ donation under the age of eighteen, but the organ donor card is not a legal document. It's it's kind of the icebreaker for the conversation. That uh, that's why it has a space for the next of kin to sign or the um, digital organ donor card. As I'm the so facility glad to, you got to, to share point. with family. I'm so glad you got to that point because I've heard that before. It's not a a legal document, it's just something that you carry. Now, and, mm. and we want people, or you want people this week to have the conversation say, look, I would like to be a donor if it ever happens. I would like to be an organ donor and you can go about getting yep. that card. I'll go through the ways in which you can do. Colin, thank you. On Monday, we'll be talking to a kidney transplant recipient about how it actually feels to to, to get that new lease of life. And that's Colin Weiss, National Advocacy Manager at the Irish Kidney Association. You can carry an organ donor card. You can put the code 115 on your driver's license. You can get a digital organ donor card app on your phone. All the information is at the Irish Kidney Association website, www.ike.ie. 0818-969696. There's some sad news from the DJ community the nightclub community. I wouldn't have known her well at all at all, but I would have come across her in the heady days of Sir Henry's, Noreen Hennessy. She was DJ. She used to work with Greg and Shane, the great Greg and Shane, in Henry's in the 90s. And she passed away on Tuesday after an unexpected illness. And uh, thoughts with Noreen's family and her friends and her DJ colleagues, and those who knew her, and those who enjoyed her when she entertained hundreds of people, thousands of people in Sir Henry's. I did, as I said, I didn't know her well, I just knew of her, and probably met her once or twice as well. But uh, thoughts with anyone who knew her and, 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 uh, and were close to Doreen Hennessy. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. We were contacted by the office of Michael Creed, TD, uh, about the accommodation for the refugees in Mill Street. And I would like to state again, and I've been proven right by this video, that I have absolutely no qualms about the quality of what's being done down there, or never had. I just found it a little strange that the television news cameras or the newspaper cameras were not allowed in to see what is being constructed in there because Deputy Creed put up a lovely video on his Facebook about what's being done in there. And I have to tell you, it looks, it's temporary accommodation. It's not home. But it's comfortable. It's got its own door its own rooms, there's a little living area with seats and and a couch and a sofa and a table and there's a little kitchenette and there are bedrooms, sometimes two bedrooms and there's a front door and there's power and there's light and there's all those things. So really good construction job being done down there. Now, I'm not too sure about toilet facilities. I think they're using the communal toilets that are in Mill Street and there's quite a lot of them there. But... Certainly the little units look look nice. They do look really nice. So thanks to Deputy Creed's office for getting in touch with us about that. Still doesn't answer the question, though, why we weren't allowed to see it on the television news, but I suppose that's just something that bugs me as a news guy. 0818 96 96 96. Staying with, staying with World Earth Day, where the theme is investing in the future. Denise, oh, help me here, Gabuzda. 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 Good good morning. Denise, the Loving Earth exhibition, what is that? It's um, a series of textile panels that are meant to celebrate things that we love, that are threatened by uh, climate change and growing environmental breakdown. It was an idea that was conceived by a number of Quakers in Britain a few years ago. And the idea is that each of these can be made by an individual. There are very simple instructions about how to make them. They just need to be a certain size, 30 by 30 centimeters, and be made of cloth. And other than that, people can do whatever they want to try to acknowledge that the climate breakdown is happening, identify something that they love that they want to protect, and then express their love through this textile panel. Now, this is a project, I should have said at the start, driven by the Quaker community, of, of which we have quite a number in Cork, haven't we? We have a fair number, yes. It's, it, we're obviously a, a minority religion, but at this point we have a, a community of maybe about 160. Wow. And you have a meeting place in Summerhill? We, yes, we do. Summerhill South, more or less opposite the Capwell bus depot. Um, at the at the base of fifty of Quaker Road, and in fact, there's a Quaker burial ground there, which goes back to the seven to the 1600s. Okay, I know, I know, I know it now that you mention it. Actually, I know, I know Quaker yeah. Road obviously, and and uh, yeah. and, and this place. So, and that and that's where you have you. Know, people can make their own pieces for this exhibition. They, they can, yes, they can. Well, not not for this particular exhibition, but in principle, instructions are available about how to make your own tile uh, as part of this Loving Earth project. Okay. And the the whole idea is to to show the importance of rooting our actions in love. 
That's the key thing. As upsetting as something may be, we need to try to engage creatively and constructively and root our actions in love. Mm. Love of the earth and love of the planet is a big part of the Quaker faith, is it not? It is. It is indeed. Um, The real root of the Quaker faith is the idea that each of us can make direct contact with God or the spirit, the divine, the light, whatever we like to call it, Um, and that there is God or the spirit or the light in each of us and indeed in all living things. And this really is the basis for the way that we try to live our lives. We try to live them in accordance with the ideas of simplicity, peace, um, integrity, showing integrity to each other on on the idea that we're all equal and that we all form a community together. And when we extend this, not just to other people, but to all living things, this provides a powerful motivation for the idea of living sustainably, caring for the earth, and caring for all living things, caring for God's creation, really. I'm, I'm looking at some of the, the pieces in a typical exhibition, and they're, they're, they really are beautiful. Yeah, and each one of them is unique. It's, it's interesting. One of the, the things that we say about people is that each of us is unique and precious and a child of God. And in some sense, each of these textile panels is also unique and precious, and it, it provides an individual viewpoint. Now, the exhibition runs, it finishes, I think, this evening, doesn't it? So it's it open, to, it's it open to the public, is it? It is open to the public, and it's free. And it is open today from four to six. Mm. And I take it, it's rather a silly question, but I take it that you don't have to be a member of the Quaker community to go and see us. No, of course not. We, we're very happy to have any and all come through to, to see this and experience it. And indeed, uh, we, we hold a Quaker meeting every Sunday from 11 to 12, and anybody who's curious is very welcome to come in and um, experience that as well. Excellent. All right, good luck with it, and good luck with the next exhibition and with the work of the Quakers. Quaker Road, it's there for a reason. At the bottom of Quaker Road, opposite the bus station in Capwell, is their meeting place, and that's where this exhibition runs for the rest of today. Um, it's their part of their contribution to World Earth Day, which is today. Thank you, Denise. 0818 96 96 96. A reminder to you that the Premier League Live is back this Saturday at 96am.ie and, of course, on the app with Trevor and the team powered by TalkSport. Big one this weekend, live coverage of Arsenal versus Man U. That's at 12.30. Norwich against Newcastle at 3 and a half five. Brentford versus Spurs. That's uh, tomorrow, Saturday. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. And listen Saturday on the app or indeed go to 96fm.ie. During the week, I got an email, I read an email from Emmett who was trying to get a passport for his little boy. And he told me about how his wife, Lisa, had been working very hard right through the pandemic and Kyle, their little boy, had obviously missed his first two birthday parties. So they wanted to bring him off to the CBB's hotel in Birmingham and they'd booked a big suite, the seven-person postman, Pat's suite, just for him to celebrate his birthday. The passport office had given them an issue date for the passport of the 27th. Now, his birthday is the 26th and they wanted to fly out on the 25th to take up their holiday and they were hoping and praying that they'd get the passport ahead of time and they were prepared to go to any ends of the earth to get that passport 
a little bit early. And even Emmett in the email, you admitted, look, maybe you left it a small bit late, but look, you were hoping against hope that it could get sorted. Emmett, you even said in your email that, that you knew you'd cut it a bit fine applying in February, giving 10 weeks when the paperwork said eight. So you're just hoping against hope it would get sorted. And it did, I'm delighted to hear. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it, just yesterday, you know, the postman came and you just can't believe the joy we had since yeah. it came. Because the 27th was the date you were being given and, and it arrived on the 21st. Yeah, and they um, wouldn't, with our word, wouldn't push it forward to the 25th. Yeah. So that's why we had to go to these circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Well, you sent us an email and we were happy. I think, I think it was your dad I spoke to. So you're, you're, you're off to, you're off on, on Monday now. Monday, yeah. All to CBB's Land Hotel. Thank God. Uh, we can't wait to see his face. Yeah. Light up. Because yeah. it's kind of his first proper birthday, isn't it? Because he missed his first two. Because Yeah, of that's the thing as well, yeah. And no matter what I said to them, and the amount of times we rang them, the amount of time it took to get through to them. I know. Each it's, time. It's really Sometimes difficult. Sometimes I was at work and I'd have to hang up. Yeah, it's really difficult. And you wanted to thank a few people, I think. Oh, yes. Um so I want to thank uh, Gary. They rang him first, and he got on into Simon Coveney, and then my uh, travel agents Anna inside Blackpool Travel. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, we've been booking with them for years, and they didn't leave stone. Absolutely amazing. And she got on then to Thomas Gould. Right. He rang in as well, and then um, she got on then to. Um, oh, to, um, sorry, Darnell. Your grand, Colin Burke, I think. Oh, yeah, involved, Colin Burke, yes, yeah. sorry, uh, Colin Burke. Yeah, yeah, yeah Colin's yeah. been very helpful to a lot of people, actually, with regard to getting Oh, he was amazing. He sent us back emails. He said, make sure if it's not there, no, I'll get back onto them, he said. Very good. Uh, and um, the secretaries that were involved with the, the TDs. Great, great. And we had the sergeant as well in station who rang on our behalf as well. Because they said there was um, that's one right. of the signatures. That's right. Like, was it, was it yeah. Your dad said that there seemed to be some there was some problem with the signature, and they they yeah. ran and they clarified it all over the phone. So yeah. So the sergeant said, um, "The CCTV cameras are to guard the stamp. What do you want?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, it's sorted, and and, yes. you're, and you're traveling on Monday, and I can hear the relief in your voice, Emmett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just we're just. Oh. All right, listen, have a great have a great trip and, and enjoy it um, and uh, make great memories. Thanks, Emmett, and the Hart family heading off on Monday. Sorted. But they're still saying, I thought the passport problem had kind of gone away, they're still saying for a new passport, for first passport for a child, that it'll take up to eight weeks. I would definitely say 12 weeks, like, give them 12 weeks, because... It's very, 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 very slow. 0818969696. I'm joined by Peter Stobart, who's Artistic Director of the Cork Choral Festival. It's here again. It's in person again. And it's all happening in a week's time. Peter, good morning. Good morning. How, how great is it to be back in person again? It's... 
It's really good to be back. Yeah, I mean, uh, last year we were entirely online, but this year we're entirely back to normal. Slightly fewer numbers, but entirely back to normal, which is which which is great. And we're even in uh, the Cork City Hall, um, which there was a little bit of doubt about, but we're so pleased that 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 we're back in there as well. Yeah, and you've a huge concert to open, and and is that in City Hall? Yeah, that's in City Hall. Yeah, that's a group called Cestina. Uh, from Northern Ireland, and they're performing uh, Messiah, uh, which is a great way to um, to bring us back. It's uh, it's a really popular um, piece, of course, Handel's Messiah. So we're looking forward to that on the opening night, and then the next night uh, we've got a group called I Fagiolini, and they're doing a program based around T. S. Eliot's The Wasteland. So they're calling that Rewilding the Wasteland. So we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be really interesting. Um, and then uh, on the uh, Friday night next week in St. Finbar's Cathedral, Chamber Choir Island are uh, performing uh, a, a, a premiere of a new work by John Luther Adams based around the Grand Canyon. And that's called The Brief descent into deep time right. uh, and then we've got Latvian voices on Friday night as well and then we've got the Fleischmann international competition on Saturday and mm. uh, and the closing gala concert on Sunday so yeah. lots and lots to look forward to you've also got plenty of the fringe events like people come from all over the world for this they d- yeah We'll try and get him back onto a phone line, Fiona, because that doesn't sound like it's going to work out too well. We'll get him back in a second. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Right, we'll try this again. Peter Stobart, Artistic Director of the Cork Hall Festival, which is in its 67th year. And as well as those galas, uh, Peter, you've got something like 60 or 90 events around the city and county. But the big thing is back Saturday afternoon. That's right, yeah. Um, so we've got events happening um, all over all over Cork, and we've also got a fringe festival this year, which uh, we're in Cove. So there's concerts in the cathedral down in Cove, and um, there'll be choirs popping into the Heritage Centre and the Serious Arts Centre and the Bandstand. So, so we're kind of focusing on Cove a little bit this year for our main fringe festival. But we've also got events in Nanonagel Place and the Triscoll um, and uh, St Finbar's Cathedral and St Anne's Shandon. So all, all, all over the city. Okay. Tell me about the big thing. This is one of your favourites. Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, after one of the competitions, uh, it's going to be led by um, some people from a, a gospel choir in Dublin, um, and they're going to be leading the big thing, and anyone's welcome to come and participate in that, and, and it'll be great to have the whole of City Hall singing uh, together. It should be kind of a celebration of the fact that we can get back and do this properly after a few years out. Peter, thanks that the line is just not going to hold. We might catch up again before uh, the festival as we at 96 FM are proud partners of the Cork Choral Festival 2022. Quick catch there with Peter Stobart, Artistic Director. It's back next weekend and there are as a website which I have, yeah, corkchoral.ie. 
corkcoral.ie if you're interested in going along to any of those events. Just to, to catch up, one last couple of comments. Um, yeah, this has been around for a day or two and I, I don't know the answer to it, but is there an Irish-Ukraine friendship flag or badge that we could get anywhere? Listeners been on to us a couple of times. Um, they want to, in this kind of, we stand with wherever, flags or badges. You'll know what I mean if you know what they are. Does anyone know where we might get one of those for a listener or direct us to where, where, where they might go? An Irish-Ukraine friendship flag or badge. 0818969696. Once again, we finish out today with World Earth Day, a very important day, and a day when we focus on more sustainable ways to do ordinary things. Like, could you, for example, make your own soap? Reham from Soap and More. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. <laughs> could we make our own soap? Um, I guess it is it is popular now to to move away from super supermarket stuff and and that kind of, and look towards more natural products that we make ourselves. Um, is it possible to make good soap at home? Absolutely, we have to be like very away from toxic and harsh product as much as we can, and just going for pro- natural product um, in our like daily life and. Because it's harsh product, it's kill all bacteria. And we know we have like two types of bacteria, good one as we need it, and harmful product, like harmful, sorry, bacteria. So which is natural ingredients, it's kill it only. So this is the most important between like natural uh, ingredients and harmful ingredients, you know, it's... Mm. How easy is it to make your own soap? Like, where do you even start? (laughs) Like, to be honest, uh, soap making is just like really practical and satisfying process for me. I started um, since (laughs) COVID-19. So, yeah, just like I'm making uh, my soap with really love and fun. Mm. And of course, there is safety guards I have uh, to follow them like wearing uh, glasses face mask and gloves oh, just to protect myself can, can it be dangerous and, the process like like yeah to be honest not uh, really safe yeah there, it's a little bit uh, danger so there it's safety guards we have to follow them you know yeah how long does it take to make your own soap I started like to be honest in uh, November 2020. Yeah, but to make a, some, if you start your, your ingredients, if you get, what ingredients yeah. would you use like? Like I just um, try my best to find like very natural and high quality ingredients. For example, like uh, lemon, like peppermint, uh, like poppy seeds. Um, mm. Just, you know, it's really olive oil as well, uh, shea butter, cacao butter. Mm-hmm. So just like very natural ingredients to have like best quality and very safe product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there are some fantastic smells around. Like you said, I mean, coffee, soap that smells of coffee sounds interesting. Peppermint, lemon, they're all lovely smells. And you just put the whole lot together. Do you boil it? Do you 
key. What do you do with it? Yes, you can mix it and blend it with a mix of uh, oils like olive oil, uh, aloe vera gel, for example. So it's really amazing for our skin and it's available in our daily life. Yeah. As you mentioned, coffee, lemon, peppermint, poppy seeds. Poppy seeds, it's one of my best seller soap. It's just like because add like a very gentle exfoliating for our skin, you yeah. know, remove all that skin. So it's just really amazing ingredients. Yeah. We can like have it in our daily life. Yeah. And just like be instead of like very harsh and very chemical um, ingredients in harsh product, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if you get good at that, then there are other things you can make, I suppose. Can you make shampoo? Can you make other things? Yes, like to be honest, I have uh, a solid uh, shampoo bar in my uh, shop already. And of course, I have a skincare line, for example, hair oil, uh, body oil. And recently I added uh, facial serum oil, which is I have a huge lovely reviews about this. So it's all of our natural, you know, for, for example, Oregon oil, olive oil, as I mentioned, like it's really amazing. And of course, I have uh, a plan for my future business to growing and having uh, more product like shampoo, conditioners. Sure. Yes. So you, you have your website, soapandmore.ie. Do you sell over the website? Yes, I'm selling all my product uh, in my website, www.soapandmore.ie. And uh, of course, like every time I challenge myself to have always very new and uh, up-to-date product. Uh, so yeah, coming soon. <laughs> Good luck with it. Uh, making your own soap. Uh, Rahim Reham Gafari. I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Thanks for that. 0818969696. There was a few more. Yeah, Una Butler was talking to me earlier on about the campaign she's trying to she's ongoing trying to campaign for change in mental health um listening to her it's common sense says this message she should be involved with her husband's illness and this comment makes a great point i was so involved with my husband's cancer journey and wouldn't have it any other way and that's from burr and that's true if a person if a loved one has another illness you're involved with that because you're there by their side so so why not when they've got a a mental difficulty. Thanks a million for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, we had and we, I gave you four names a little while back: Julie and Jack and Sarah and John. And we went: Eeny, Meeny, Miney, Mo, Eeny, Meeny, Miney. Sarah, hello. Hi. <laughs> how, how are you? Have oh, you registered? Oh. Have you registered for the marathon yet? I haven't yet, but I, I may just do that now with a burst of energy that I've gotten, PJ. <laughs> good, good. Well, well, for that enthusiasm alone, I'm going to give you the, the prize. You're going to be heading off to the Riverley Hotel, you and whoever you choose to take with you, for a night away and dinner to celebrate the regist- your registration for the Cork City Marathon. Oh, brilliant, PJ. The weekend is made. No, thank you very much. There you are, Sarah. Thanks for that, and congratulations. Our winner with the Cork City Marathon, get Get listed, get registered, uh, get on there to crosscitymarathon.ie and get yourself registered. The event is on the 5th of June. I think that is about the size, it is, 
That's it. We're done. The program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a good weekend. Uh, watch my socials tomorrow evening. I'll send you some pictures from Croker when I see this massive stage that Ed is talking about. And we'll see you Monday just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie You're listening to highlights from The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.